Hey, thanks for joining us here on The House Podcast. We hope that you are encouraged by this message. If you want to learn more about The House, check out our website at welcometothehouse.com or download The House app. Well, here's the thing is you may see me in a stool today, and that's not because I'm tired. Although, we're at the end. We're at the end. Who is ready for the end of 2023? All right. Well, I just want to know, how's your faith? How's your faith? Now, I know church people love to clap. Oh, our faith is good. Is it? Where have you believed that you are unable? I'm unable. I'm unable to do this. I'm unable to do that. I'm able to, to, to fix that. I'm unable to change that. I, I'm, I am unable. Where are you uncertain? Where are you uncertain? Man, I know the Bible says that I know God's done it for other people. I'm not sure if he'll do it for me. I know that he's putting some things on my heart. I'm just very apprehensive. I'm uncertain. Or, Pastor, I'm going to be honest. I'm just unwilling. I don't want to. <laughs> no. Choose somebody else. Pick somebody else. I'm not going to give up. I'm not going to give that up. I'm not going to change. Come on, you hear what I'm saying? Today is an incredible day to begin to take inventory of, of you in this last year. And I think that you should pause. I know there are people in here, you already got your list and your goals for next year. And then there are some people here, you're anti. I don't make lists. I don't make goals. I don't do anything but live the next day. And, and whatever. But I do think that inventory, and for you to become aware and inspect, where am I at? Where is my faith? How am I doing? We should investigate the condition of our faith. Is it strong? Is it waning? Or is it weak? The Bible many times encourages us to contend for our faith in other words, our faith should remain strong and it, we should finish the assignments that God, come on, has for us. In fact, Paul, the Apostle Paul, wrote this to Timothy. In 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 7, it says, I have fought the good fight. Come on. We got any fighters in the room? Eight. That's the reason why all of you other people are losing. Because you're blaming everybody else in your life. But my Bible and your Bible says that God is not a respecter of people. And what God can do in my life, he can do in your life. And if you have been collecting unanswered prayers, then you are focusing on something that God is like, yo, I called you to be a believer. A believer. So let's just talk about it because the goal for church is not to assemble people. The goal for church is to spark a movement of the Holy Spirit that would allow transformation in your life. Paul said, I fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the what? Say it. Come on. 
the faith. I've kept the faith. That, that indicates that if I'm going to keep something, I have to wrestle with losing it, with not having it. The reality is, you can believe in Jesus and go to heaven, but not here on this earth. You don't ask God for anything. You don't believe God for anything. You don't believe God can do anything. You are a self-made man or woman, and you are doing it all on your own. That's not how Paul lived. Paul said, I, I, I fought the good fight. It's a good fight. It's a good fight. Why is it a good fight? Because everything I fight that I lay down, that God begins to wrestle within me, when I release that, it turns out for my good. So yes, it's a fight, but it's a good fight. Why is it a good fight? Because it's a fight I'm going to win. Come on. Bad fights are the ones that you just got toe up from the flow up. You, you, you lost. You got kicked in the teeth. But a good fight is I had to battle, but greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. Come on, y'all, not with me. I have finished the race. People, finish. They ain't no gold medal for trying. Finish. And we have a world that wants to, we all judge ourselves off of our intentions. Well, I, I wanted to go to church more. I wanted to read my Bible. I really wanted to pray more. I wanted to get in shape. I wanted to wake up on time. I wanted to do well. I just didn't. And so that mentality is in our culture. And it's in our church. And I'm just telling you, it will not cause you to have the faith that finishes. My assignment today is the faith that finishes. Last week, I had some time off. And I spent it connecting with the fam. We played board games, watched a couple movies, and I played basketball with my son at the Rogers Activity Center. My friends, I'm 48 years old, so my friends have been telling me Get out of the game. <laughs> Hang up your shoes. You don't have it anymore. And so their hobbies have switched from basketball to fishing. <laughs> Hiking. Hunting. Pickleball. And they've hung up their shoes, and so they're all telling me, you should hang them up. So I took my son to the Rogers activity. We were working on some things, and I was like, we need to go play some pickup basketball. And uh, all the way there, I'm giving him the cat or the lion speech, you know what I'm saying? Like, we ain't, we ain't raising no cats in this house. You pet cats. Cats are domestic. <laughs> we serve the lion of the tribe of you. Mean, like I'm, I'm gearing him up. I go to play the first game, and I'm like, "Let's go!" And so, in the first game, I'm playing as hard as I can, 
and this guy about the same height, maybe a little bit bigger than me, he had the lion lesson too. And so he went up like a lion. I went up like a lion. The only problem is he came down like a lion <laughs> on my ankle. <laughs> I heard the snap crackle and pop. I'm sitting there going, should have been hiking. <laughs> my son looks at me and I'm like, A purr wanted to come out. (laughs) But I was like, let's go! Uh, I played three more games. I know, it was dumb. I I told my wife when I got home, and, you know, at first she's like very gracious. Oh, babe, oh. Then she heard what we did. She was like, you're dumb. So my last week has been going to the doctor and putting my foot up. She grounded me. I'm a grown man and I've been gra- I'm grounded. You know, this is not the way I wanted to end the year. This is not the way I thought I would end 2023. I, I, I did not think, I, I, I thought that I would end the year running through the finish line. Not, not sore and limping. Maybe you felt the same way. Maybe this year isn't ending the way you expected. And if we were going to be honest, your relationships are limping. Your career is limping. Your pursuit of God is limping. Maybe you thought when you would end the year... Um, you would be standing, and, and all of a sudden, now you, you, you realize that you're sitting. You're sitting on your potential. You're sitting on the calling of God on your life. You're sitting on your health. See, each year we live, it, it requires us to navigate hurdles. You will, we will all experience, and we could stop and all talk about what we've experienced over the last 12 months, but... The truth is there are three things that we have to do in order to, to begin to make the most of every year that we have. Is you're going to have to exercise patience. You're going to have to endure some pitfalls. And you're going to have to experience some new possibilities. As 2024 approaches, let's assess the condition of our faith in God. So let me ask you some questions because today's going to be a lot of questions that you get to self-reflect. Here's the first one. Do you believe that God still is working on your behalf? Or has God left you? And because of the decisions that you made or the shame that you feel that you are very distant from God and he is no longer engaging in a relationship with you. Do you trust that God is still directing your next step? Like like that the steps, the Bible says, of the righteous are ordered by God. And do you still hold this faith in God? Not in positivity, the atmosphere, the world, the culture. But do you still believe that God is navigating your steps and bringing people into your life and out of your life?
Are you confident that God can provide everything you need? See, Hebrews chapter 11 verse 6 says this, And without faith it's impossible. Everybody say impossible. To please Him. You, you can't please God without faith. For whoever would draw near to God must believe that he exists and that he's a reward, a rewarder, or he rewards those who seek him. So let's just dive into this. This passage tells us it's a, it's a very exciting but scary. You can actually know he exists and stop seeking him. When we stop seeking God, our faith gets weak. We stop practicing what we know. We start living off of an experience or a lesson that we learned in the past, but we stop activating the presence. The Bible says that faith comes by hearing, not having heard. So in our spiritual life, it's, it's like you're talking to someone and you're saying, man, I had a really good meal last month. Why are you shaking and, and why do you have no strength? And, and why are you hungry and why are you... It's because I'm not eating. <laughs> Weak faith affects every aspect of your life. Now let's begin to talk about this because here's the deal. This is the biggest problem that we have in the American culture is that we feel like the Bible and faith is only connected to Jesus. But when the reality is the whole Bible is about Jesus and Jesus affects every part of our life. So how you treat people, your relationship, how you work, what you do, and do you work as unto the Lord? Like every part of the gospel should change every part of your life. And so when we only think that Jesus is for church, then we put him in a cute little box and we try to manage him. And when we want more of Jesus, we open up the box and when we don't, we shut it. We live our life compartmentalized. That's not how God wants his sons and daughters to live. For us, our faith needs fuel. Come on, listen to me. I said our faith needs fuel. Are you fueling your faith or are you fueling your frustration? Are you fueling your faith? Are you fueling your grievances? Are you fueling your faith? Are you fueling your victimness? What are you fueling? See, this week coming up, this, this year, this new year, we will engage in seek week. We will begin to seek the Lord. And we do this at the beginning of every year. We pray, we fast, we intentionally draw near to God because we know when we draw near to God and we put up our phones for a little while and put up our social media and we turn off the TV and we stop talk, talk radio and we stop sports center and we begin to have a moment where we intentionally decide I'm going to make more space for God. It fuels our faith. Our faith needs fuel. This is one of the reasons in front of you, in a, in a, in a, 
in the pocket in front of you, there is a soap guide. And one of the things that we want to do, because culture is giving us a whole lot more opinions, we need to go to the Word and have our mind washed with the water of the word. The Bible actually says renewing our mind. And so if you open that up, take a minute, go ahead and open it up and uh, pull it out. See if you got one. We want you to take this because collectively as a church, a lot of people have come to me and like, I don't know where to start reading, pastor. I don't know what to do. And we're all going to start this Bible reading plan. And so every day you just read a chapter and, and it says soap. And, and this is a soap guide. That stands for scripture, observation, application, and prayer. So you get a journal, read a chapter, and all you do is you read the chapter, you observe something that sticks out to you, you try to apply that to your life, and you begin to pray. It's so easy. Then on Wednesday nights, um, we'll have a life group starting pretty soon, but on Wednesday nights, our prayers will, 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 will be around what the guide is for that week. So all of it's going to be a little bit more succinct. That way we continue as a church to grow. So I would encourage you to take this to your office, put it in your truck, put it in your car, put it at your, by your bedside. And then every night, okay, here's what date. And then obviously, you know, some of you are high achievers. You're going to kill it every day. You're marking off your list. It's going to be great. Some of you, you're making new space to read the word. Come on, let, 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 let's, let's gain percentages. Let's start. And maybe your goal is... 50%. I'm going to do 50% of this. And so every three or four months, we'll put out a new one and we'll read the Bible together. Come on. Is that good? Come on. Put your hands together. Why are we doing this? We're doing this because your faith needs fuel. Okay. Instagram doesn't fuel your faith. Stop watching other people's revelation of what God told them and come to the table and let God tell you something. <laughs> come on, hear me. I'm for teaching. I'm for instruction. But I'm also for positioning ourselves where we are invited to the table and eat. Come on, does that make sense? Strong faith happens when we seek God's wisdom and his direction. Time with him shouldn't be optional or occasional. When we become distant, confusion sets in and significant things that God has given us loses their meaning. I mean, think about, we have a culture that has stopped reading the Bible, so now we're in a confusion on gender. We've stopped reading the Bible so we're confused on integrity. We're trying to make up morality based on whichever activist has the microphone. And everything is always shifting in our culture. But God said, everything out of my mouth, the word, what everything that proceeds from me, like you, it is a foundation. You can bank on it. Build your life on that. So let's talk a little bit. When things begin to lose their meaning and get confused, we just go to work and our work is just a job. 
Instead of, it is a way to honor the Lord. And because I have faith in God, I know that God orders my steps. And if he has me in this job or church or whatever for a season, then I know that I can connect here. because, And I don't have to control everything. But I actually can serve my boss, serve my employees, help my team, achieve this project. And I can work as unto the Lord. But I'm not always agitated and aggravated because my boss isn't XYZ. God. You may have even put him in my life. We know that you put Moses and Pharaoh together. We know that you put Joseph and all of his brothers. And yet all of that still produced the character of God so that when I have faith, I can go through normal life and not be frustrated and look at my job as an irritant. Come on, somebody. Is it just a paycheck? Or does your tithe come from your paycheck? Does the way you take care of your family come from your paycheck? Are you honoring the fact that you have income coming in? Or are you disparaging it and you are ridiculing it and you're putting it down and you can never be your best where there's no value? Come on. What about the relationships in your life? Are, are they a gift or are they a burden? Come on. All the relationships in our life, there was a time when, oh, I'm so grateful. I'm so grateful. I love you so much. Poetry, poetry, poetry. You know what I'm saying? Like, XO, XO, XO. And you're not playing tic-tac-toe. It's like love. You know what I'm saying? Like, like it's, you're awesome. And after a couple of years, because I've disconnected from the word, I've disconnected my faith, now I'm choosing to believe something different about what God gave me. And now I see it as a burden. And and and. I, I, I prayed for all these kids, and I prayed for all these friends, and I prayed for all these, but dadgummit, all of them have issues. <laughs> Every one of my friends are going through problems, and I'm just like, I cannot take yours because I have my own. And so, you're lonely because you're not engaging, you're disengaging, and you're realizing that binging doesn't fill you. Come on. And the issue is that I am depleted in my faith. And so, but when I realized that, God, you are bringing me everything I need, and you've given me my wife and my husband and my kids and my whatever, and yes, it is responsibility, and sometimes responsibility I want to push back on because I just want to be lazy, but you haven't called me to be lazy. You've called me to serve, and I know how the family operates, and the husband serves the wife, and the wife serves the husband, and the kids serve the parents, and the parents serve the kids, and that's how community grows, and everybody takes responsibility. And actually, when I begin to see it through your eyes, everything begins to have meaning. Come on, you hear me? Living by faith is not a pie in the sky, everything is going to work out demeanor. It is a confidence that the Lord will never leave us or forsake us. He is our source of strength that empowers us, come on, to overcome the adversities in our life. And we as a church have to have a faith that finishes. Come on. So I have three questions to answer. For you to answer before you start the new year. Are we learning? Is this good? Okay. Now, I know that normally I walk around and pace and whatever. So I'm asking you today to just um, to be adults. And, and you focus and extract what God is giving. Because I, I believe that it will help you. 
Three questions to answer before you start the new year. Here's the first one. Did I give up what God asked me to give up? Did I give up what God asked me to give up? Hebrews chapter 11, 17 through 19. By faith, Abraham, when he was tested, when he was what? Come on, say it. You may never have been in church where everybody talks at one time. He tested how God tests us to reveal what's in us so that he can purify us so that we will find ourselves faithful. Okay. When we were tested, offered up Isaac, and he who had received the promise was in the act of offering his only son, of whom it was said, through Isaac, shall your offspring be named. So here's, let me break it down. God chose Abraham, told him to leave his father's family, and that he would have a covenant with Abraham. God promised Abraham a son. This son was Isaac, and it took a long time to birth his son. He was in a very old age. And here's what God says. God says, hey, you've walked with me. You followed me, you've listened to me, and I've given you what I said I would give you. Now, will you give it back? Will you give it back? Because a lot of times, the thing that God blesses you with that you were longing for before you had it becomes the idol that replaces God. You were praying and fasting before you got that girlfriend or boyfriend. And now, since you've had that boyfriend or girlfriend, you ain't praying or fasting. You were begging God for that job, that opportunity. You said, God, if you'll give me this, I'm for real. I'll, 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 I'll go to Indonesia. I'll go to Africa. I mean, I'll visit. But I'm going to go. I'm like, going to spread the God. I'm going to go. And since you got that job, you ain't even going to church. Well, you know, the responsibility of what he gave me was never to take you away from him. Come on. Look at this. Look at this. And he, Abraham, was in the process of giving up Isaac. He considered that God was able even to raise him from the dead, from which, figuratively speaking, he received him back. So basically, here's what Abraham's thought was. I don't want to do this. This is very hard. But God gave him to me. God's been ordering my steps. God's been protecting me. My faith is strong in God. So even if I give him up, God will give him back. Abraham was asked to give up the promised son. And he didn't rebel. He released. He released what God asked for. It is common for the father to ask his sons and daughters, which is us, to give up things, things that seemingly are important to us. From time to time, the Holy Spirit will begin to move us and ask us to surrender certain areas of our lives. As believers, we have to be willing to be uncomfortable to give up anything that would hinder our relationship, come on somebody, with Jesus. For us, that looks like surrendering grievances. Who you been mad at all year? Well, you taught them, didn't you? Oh, boy, you taught them. You didn't go over to their house all year. 
You didn't text them back all year. Boy, I'm t- I, they probably learned their lesson. You're the one bound up. You're the one huffing and puffing. You're the one that snapped at the kids in your house, and they're not even a problem, part of the issue. Come on. Will you give it up? Will you release it to God and say, hey, listen, I do believe that it was unfair. And I do believe that I was manipulated. And I do believe that that business still, I mean, I think that in their heart was a wrong motive. But, God, I know if you have good things for me, you will give them to me. And I release what they owe me. And I will forgive them as many times as it takes for when I think about them, only love comes. See, many times we think that content is the application. Content sparks the fire that begins to burn what actually needs to adjust in your life. What's the relationship you need to give up? I'm not talking about covenant. I'm not talking about marriage. But, but I am talking about like, like come on, you, like you're, you're trying to grow and do some things with God and you're trying to take it to the next level. And every time you're around these friends, they bring compromise into your life. They make the ordinances and, and the pathway and the principles of God small. They make you think it doesn't matter. And God's like, I keep pricking your heart because it matters. I keep convicting you because it matters. But you're acting like it doesn't matter. And now you've surrounded people that are closed off and, and, and have plugged their ears. Come on. What about motivations? You know, th- there's a lot of things that we say, but then underneath, deep underneath, are different motivations on why we do what we do or say what we say or respond. And we, and we look at these people as very successful. So if they want my attention, I will run and give them all the attention. But these people, uh, I don't know how you place value in my life, so I'm going to reduce you. And, and what happens is we have these ungodly motivations And so is the gospel not expanding because God's not moving? Or is the gospel not expanding because our motivations are always self-centered? Come on. See, here's something that should happen in the church. It's conviction. Conviction, not condemnation. When you come here, if you hear shame, then that's the enemy in your head telling you all the things that you're not. The Bible says that he is the accuser of the brethren. But conviction is different. Conviction should, should, should call you up and say, there's more for you. Come, come, come higher. You don't have to live in that. You don't have to operate in that. Come on, there's more for you. We just read that we're going to be tested. These tests determine our faithfulness. When we offer up the, the most important thing and choose him, guess who becomes the most important thing? He does. This puts us in a place of humility and trust. To have faith that finishes comes as we surrender the hold and the grasp of other things on our life. Anytime God asks you to give something up, it's because he has something better for you. There's something better. You just don't see it. You haven't perceived it. You don't know the end from the beginning. You don't know the next friend that's coming. You don't know the next relationship. You don't know the next business deal. You, have no, you see here. God sees. The enemy would like to deceive you into thinking that you can have it all. 
You can have it all. And here's what I'm telling you. God does not promise that you can have it all. But he does say you can have enough. You can have enough to complete the purpose and calling in your life. Enough purpose. And he has enough plan for your life that every day of your life can live fulfilled. Let's, let's be a church that surrenders our pride and our agenda, our offenses, our worldview. Let's finish this year trusting God, not running away from him, refusing to give up what God asks of us means that you're believing wrong. And I know in 2023, like, you, like who are you to say I'm wrong? But the, the reality is... It's true. There's a false belief that you can do whatever you want and God will be pleased. Come on and hear what I'm saying. Weak faith creates weak believers. So let me, let me, let me dive into this just a little bit. Where have you believed you're unable? I'm unable. Where has your confidence been shaken and you're uncertain? Where are you in sin and you're just unwilling? I'm, I'm just unwilling. Unable. Can, can, I, can I talk about this? God will never ask you to do anything, to give up anything that you are unable to do. God does not ask you to do what you're unable to do. He wants to partner with you to do supernatural things. But there is always a part you can do. It's easy to be tempted to think, I don't have enough time or money or connections or energy. God isn't calling you to what's easy. He's calling you to more, more freedom, more deliverance, more victory. Don't believe the lie that you are unable. Abraham was able by faith, believed in God, I am able to take my son, pack the mule, go up to the mountain. There are a lot of things that I am able to do. God isn't looking for your willpower. He's looking for your faith. I'm not telling you be stronger. I'm saying you have faith in a God that will never ask you to do something that you cannot do. Where are you uncertain? Many times, God begins to stir us, and we're tempted to feel uncertain. Following God has a confidence behind it, and everything in your life should change. Your worldview, how you vote, your desires, what you call right and wrong. It's easy, listen, to rationalize the tension of keeping versus surrendering. The enemy will try to cause you to focus on what you're missing. Well, if I do that, I'm so uncertain. If I say that, they may not be my friends. If I do that, and before I know it, we have churches full of King Saul's who capitulated every time. God said, do this. I can't do that. And so our strongest faith moment is when we're singing and we're sitting. But it's not out the doors. 
Come on, listen. You're not missing anything. Don't take the bait. Church, don't settle for less because you're uncertain. God is faithful. He's worthy of trust. And if he is stirring you to it, he's wanting you to do it. Come on. That's good. Moses didn't go, okay, well, how are, you, how are we going to get by the Red Sea? How is Pharaoh going to be dealt with? Joseph wasn't, how am I going to be the leader? And all my brothers bow down to me. And you're stuck on how. And what, you, what, you, what, what the devil gets us to deceive ourselves is, I'll do it if he just tells me how. You're uncertain. And you don't believe that if you step in the water, it'll part. Come on. Be willing. Look at someone and say, be willing. Be willing to listen. Be willing to obey. Be willing to take a step. Be willing to, to fill out the connect card. Be willing that this year, we're going we're gonna to jump in. We're going to give. We're going to tithe. We're going to be a part. We're going to be in life groups. We're going to connect with new people. We're going to put ourselves out there. And be willing. Here's the next thing. To be unwilling. Let's talk about that. God is loving and patient and kind. But I just need you to understand this. God is not passive. And we live in a world where people are not clear. They're suggestive. Hey, if you want to come by at three. Well, I don't want to come by at all. But if you want me to come by, I will. Like, (laughs) hey, come by whenever you want. Like, seriously? I was thinking 2 a.m., Where do you want to eat? I don't care. You do care. And you won't tell us how you care until after we're done eating. On the way back home, you'll say, I wish we hadn't had Mexican food. I had it yesterday. (laughs) Hey, what do you want for Christmas? I don't care. You're lying. Be clear. I've got three things I want. One is very expensive, so don't give me that. These are the two things I want. Or save my money for two Christmases and give me that because that's what I want. (laughs) Nobody's clear. Because we don't want to be held accountable for clarity. But, But what's funny is we want everybody else to tell us the truth. Come on. Y'all with me? There is a deeper issue if you are telling God no. That is sin. The Bible tells us that God will resist the proud and give grace to the humble. Don't end this year telling God, I won't give up this area, this person, this feeling, or this dream. Whatever God asks for, give it freely because there is something better waiting. Be willing. Come on, one more time. Everybody say, be willing. willing. We good? All right, here's the second question. What great works of God have I forgotten because I'm focused on lesser things? I'm focused on lesser things. Hebrews 11, 20 and 23. By faith, Isaac invoked future blessings on Jacob and Esau. By faith, Jacob, when dying... Blessed each of his sons of Joseph, each of the sons of Joseph, bowing in worship 
over the head of his staff. By faith, Joseph, at the end of his life, made mention of the exodus. He prophesied of the Israels and gave direction concerning his bones. By faith, Moses, when he was born, was hidden three months by his parents because they saw the child was beautiful. There was something special anointed about their son, and they were not afraid of the king's edict. Come on. Everybody stay with me. While I don't have time to dive into every account, I need you to know that every name listed had to overcome crazy amounts of adversity. Life isn't easy. And anybody who tells you it's easy is lying. No one will blame you for focusing on injustice, deception, and pain that you will experience. Come on, somebody, in this life. But I need you to know that all of those are lesser things. Let your faith finish what has been started by God. God established Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. It wasn't because they had a great plan or good people around them. We hear that a lot in leadership. God did it. When it came to the story of Joseph and Moses, it wasn't about their awesome leadership. You can extract some principles and leadership from their life, but it was about the faithfulness of God. I authored a plan. I picked you for the plan. I gotta, I, I'm going to do it, and I'm going to vanquish all the foes that are in your way. I can be trusted. I don't know who needs a reminder today, but your life is full of great works of God. And it is easy to forget them and focus on people, processes, pressures, problems, even possibilities. Just a couple of days ago, I was with a few friends. And we had a great dinner. It was a wonderful time telling stories and connecting. We weren't rushed. And after dinner, we played a quick game of cornhole. I was <laughs> hitting. I, I, I wasn't hitting the hole at all. In fact, I wasn't even hitting the board. Like, I was so off, I felt like I needed to apologize after playing. And I, listen, I think strategically. So I already know what is the position of my feet and my, and my eyes focus on the hole. And where am I releasing the cornhole bag? Like, I'm, I'm analyzing all in my head because I'm like, I am better than this. <laughs> now, I, I mean, I hurt my leg. So I'm, I'm 50%. I'm, I'm just, and I know what some of you might be thinking, well, why did you even play? It's because I'm not a watcher. I'm a participator. Some of you, that's the only lesson you need to take. The only reason you're not winning is because you're not working. Like you're not working on it. And so your relationship, the, come on, the, the, your health, all of the things. Like, like God ain't going to bless you. And you wake up and you're 20 pounds smaller. <laughs> Hallelujah. God ain't going to bless you and you check your account and all of a sudden there's another 100,000 in there. It's important to realize that, that for us, we can get distracted by a lot of things. 
And um, I'm sitting there and I'm beating myself up in my head. Like I, I seriously, I was like, dang it. Maybe I can't play anymore. And I have enough leadership and scripture in me that I know that heaven is not like, cornhole's the most important thing in the world. <laughs> like, I, like I know this is super small. But it's in that moment that I begin to stop focusing on my friends and connection and how much fun we were having and the fact that we all love each other. And I begin to put it on me. I, be, I begin to think, <sighs> I'm in the middle of this wonderful connection moment and all I can think about is lesser things. I, I let my failure trump my friendships. I made the moment about me rather than about all that God's done. In that one moment, I forgot about all the things that God is doing and has done. And it became about cornhole. Because I had been a cornhole champion. I know how to throw a cornhole back. And it's funny how so quickly you can become a victim. And some of you, this is the lesson you need to take. You take yourself too seriously, and, and there are moments you should be laughing that you're making huge. Start over. And I'm not saying, oh, oh, it doesn't matter, just try. No, no, no. We're creating winners here, and we want to win. Come on, if you want to win, raise your hand. You should want to win. And the only reason you don't want to win is because you're more focused on who would lose. But you need to understand that Revelation says we win. God wins. He kicks the enemy's butt. Come on. And there should be some winning desire in you. But in all that, every failure and every missed opportunity and every misstep can't be about how stupid you are, or dumb you are, how I'm not like my brother, I'm not like my sister. Stop whining. Stop whining. Stop rehearsing your generational thing that your dad did or your mom did or, your, or, or you. Stop all that and say, God, listen, transparently, this is how I feel. But I know that that's not real because I know you called me and you have a plan for me. And my plan might not be cornhole. It might be painting. But God has something good for me in my life. Come on. Don't focus on lesser things. There's no there's strife in your home because everybody's focusing on lesser things. You prayed for a family, but now all you're focusing on is that meeting. You prayed for a house, and now you are the warden of the living room. You know what I'm saying? And like, if, if this thing, I'm just telling you right now, I can stay at a two or we can get to a ten real quick. Because someone needs to get their shoes out of the living room. <laughs> don't, listen, listen, don't focus on lesser things. Don't beat yourself up. Listen, hey, when you fall short. Listen, God has great things for you. Here's the third one. We're almost done. Here's the third one. Are there any areas in my life where I have limited the power of God. Where have you limited the power of God? Hebrews eleven twenty four 24 through 29 says this. By faith, 
Moses. Now, I want you to zoom into this real quick. I know we've been talking a while, but, but I, I wanted to end this year teaching you something. By faith, Moses, when he was grown, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, choosing rather to be mistreated with the people of God, rather to then enjoy the fleeting pressures of sin. He considered the reproach of Christ greater than the wealth of the treasures of Egypt, for he was looking for the reward. Why is he mentioned Christ in this moment? Because Jesus is the word, the word made flesh, and he considered the word of God more important than the rewards of Pharaoh. Okay. By faith, he left Egypt not being afraid of the anger of the king, and he endured as seen him who was invisible. By faith, he kept the Passover and sprinkled the blood so that the destroyer of the firstborn might not touch them. By faith, the people crossed the Red Sea on dry ground, but the Egyptians, when they attempted to do the same, were drowned. Our verse in Hebrews, as we wrap it up, tells us of Moses' faith and the victory that came because of it. It was Moses' faith that impacted the situation. He connected with God and said, God, you're enough. And he chose faith over titles, acceptance, pleasure, the king's wrath, and an attacking army. It's very easy for us to be Christianese and to quote scripture and 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 and. and have little moments of, of, of Bible that we, we come out of our mouth, but, but you've got to apply this thing to you. You're not speaking a spell. You're changing your life. The enemy was defeated, and Pharaoh was no more. And I promise you that this wasn't on Moses and Aaron's vision board. This wasn't a performer review. This wasn't a strategic planning meeting. Egypt was the power of the day. Come on, lean into this. Pharaoh was the mightiest institution that there was on the earth. And in one moment, God changed the power structure. I don't want to hear that God can't change your family. I don't want to hear that God can't change America. I don't want to hear that it's all over. I want to hear that there are Red Sea moments. We serve a Red Sea God. And in a moment, come on, God can move. You got to have the faith that finishes. Faith that sees God move supernaturally in your life. Don't limit God. Have the faith that finishes well. You matter. And God can use you to impact the people that you work with. Addictions don't have to rule your homes. Stress doesn't have to control you. Don't limit God's power. Here's how we're going to end today. Are you good? Did you get something out of this? So here's the thing. In just a second, we are going to have our worship team come back up. And we are going to end this year taking communion. And I know you got to go, but I'm asking you to just settle yourself real quick. Just, everybody gets stressed in transitions. Let's just, let's just settle. Let's let God do what he wants to do. As we end 2023, we're going to take this communion. And it is an incredible way to boost 
our faith. Communion isn't just a, a method of celebration. It's actually Jesus told us to remember this. And the bread and the juice are significant. <clears throat> God sent Jesus and Jesus is the bread of life. So we take the wafer, the bread, and we, we by faith believe that his body was broken. And so when you take the wafer, you break it and it was broken so you could be fixed. So when you take a moment and you get your family together or, or, or your friends together, you break the bread because he was broken so that we could be fixed. And then you, you take the juice and the juice is a representation of the blood of Christ. And it, it's symbolic because Christ's blood purifies our flesh and it cleanses, cleanses our conscience. And so before you take this, we're asking you to repent, to just take moments with, with God and, and, and then go and grab this and, and, and break it and be fixed and drink it and be cleansed. And some of you, listen, I believe strongholds are going to break off of your life right here, right now. You came in with a hard heart. And so here's the problem when you come in with a hard heart. You come in only thinking theology, never thinking transformation. And so I'm asking you to have a moment because the way you finish will be the way you enter. You hear what I'm saying? And so we're just going to take a moment. Will you guys come up here and they're just going to sing and we're just going to take a moment. Go ahead and dim the lights and we're just going to pray. Father, we thank you right now. God, we thank you for every life in this room. Father, where people have felt unable, Father, right now, God, I pray that the Holy Spirit would flood their life and they would be more than able, not because they're strong, not because they're great, but because you're great. And Father, you are able. And with you, come on, we can do anything. Father, with you, Father, we can overcome. With you, we can pass the test. We're able. Father, there may be some people here that have church hurt or family hurt or, or um, authority hurt or, or um, job issues and they feel uncertain. And Father, right now, God, we're asking that you move in Jesus' name. Come on, uncertainty is leaving. Nothing but the blood. Nothing but the blood of Jesus. What can make me ground me, God? Ground me. I want to be certain in you. I want to be certain in you.
For the unwilling, it's time to repent. Come on, the Bible even tells us in the Old Testament that we can be stiff-necked. What are you unwilling? So you, you, your husband has asked you to pray at night and you're unwilling? Your wife has asked you, can we go to church regularly and you're unwilling? Hey, can we turn off the phones a little bit and have some family time? Unwilling? Just, just what am I unwilling to do? And God, come on, listen, listen. We're, we're not wanting people to control our life, but we are saying, God, you can navigate me. I am not in charge any longer. I am not unwilling. So, Father, right now, God, we offer up praises from our heart to you that we are not rebellious people and we ask for your forgiveness in Jesus name Amen Thank you for listening to this week's podcast we would love to hear how this message impacted you feel free to let us know on the contact us tab of the house website we hope you have a great week